0: Please turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 7 verses 1 to verse 10, Hebrews 7, 1 to 10. This is what the author of Hebrews said, uh, Hebrews 7, 1 to 10. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the king and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tithe, a tithe part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tithe of the spoil. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithe from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But whose genealogy is not driven uh, drived from them, received tithe from Abraham, and blessed him who has the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better, by the greater. Here mortal men receive tithe, but there he receive them, that's Melchizedek receives them. Of whom it is witnessed that he lives of Melchizedek; that it is that is witnessed through the Scripture that he lived. Even Levi, who receives tithe, paid tithe through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met know. him. Amen. So we are now uh, starting chapter seven of the book of Hebrews, and again that book is written for. Jewish people who embrace Christianity and Christ believed in Jesus, and now they want to go back to, to Judaism. And the author of Hebrews is writing this letter to warn them never to consider go, going back to Judaism. The first ten chapters, he's arguing the superiority of Christianity, the superiority of Christ. Again, he talked about the superiority, Jesus is superior to the prophets, to the angels, to Moses, And starting chapter 5 all the way, almost till the end of chapter 10, he's arguing that Jesus is superior to Aaron. That's Moses' brother, the high priest of the Old Testament. In other words, the, the author of Hebrews is saying that Jesus, as our high priest, is superior than the high priest of the Old Testament. And he divided his argument into two major points. We have a superior high priest in Jesus, and that's chapter 5, 6, and 7. And then we have a superior priesthood in the ministry of Christ, and that's chapter 8, 9, and almost all chapter 10. In his argument that Jesus is a superior high priest than Aaron, in chapter 5, verse 1 to 10, he argued the similarities. If you guys remember, that was five weeks ago. The similarities between Christ and Aaron, both as our high priests. If you remember, he said that the high priest should be able to sympathize with um, his people, and that was both uh, Christ and Aaron. And um, he went on and continued about the similarities between Aaron and Christ. And then he took a pause in verse 11 of chapter 5, all the way till the end of chapter 6, to deliver um, a warning, his third And most intense warning to his readers never to consider going back to uh, Judaism. And now in chapter 7, verse 1, he's picking up where he left in chapter 5, verse 10, where he's arguing that Jesus is a superior high priest. You guys are following me? You follow the outlines? Okay. So now in chapter 7, verse 1, he's picking up where he left from chapter 5, verse 10, when he's arguing that Jesus is a superior high priest. After he argued the similarities between Jesus and Aaron in chapter 5, verse 1 and 10, now he moved on to argue the superiority of Christ over, the superiority of the priesthood of Christ over that of Aaron. And that's pretty much the whole point of chapter 7. So you guys follow so far the big picture of the book of Hebrews and where we're going so far. you with me? All right. So chapter 7, pretty much the whole point of that chapter, which one of the, most wonderful chapters in the whole Bible, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10. The depth of God's word will blow your mind away. In chapter 7, he's arguing that Jesus is a superior high priest to Aaron, and he's highlighting five different reasons why Jesus is a superior high priest. Verses 1 to 10, which we're going to be looking at today, he's he's saying Jesus is a superior high priest because he is like Melchizedek and not like Aaron. He's a high priest on the order of Melchizedek. And that's the point of these 10 verses that we just read. Then in verse 11 to verse 19, he's arguing that Jesus has a superior priesthood because Jesus came as a high priest on a different order than that of Aaron. So, Number one, Jesus is like Melchizedek. Number two, Jesus came in a different order. Number three, Jesus is a superior high priest because he was appointed by an oath from God, and that's verse 20 to 22. And number four, Jesus is a superior high priest because of his preeminence. He lasts forever. He's eternal. That's why he's superior. And number five, Jesus is a superior high priest because of who Jesus is and the sacrifice he did on the cross, and that's verse 26 to 28. So five different reasons throughout chapter 7, we're going to see why Jesus is a superior high priest than that of Aaron. This is going to be amazing. So buckle up. This is going to be wonderful. In verses 1 to 10, the author of Hebrews is arguing that Jesus is a superior high priest because Jesus came as a superior high priest on the order of Melchizedek. Okay? So here is how his argument is going to go for the first 10 verses. Verses 1 to 3, he's arguing that Melchizedek was a type of Christ, that the priesthood of Christ is on the order of the priesthood of Melchizedek. And then from verse 4 to verse 10, he's arguing that Melchizedek is greater than Aaron. So think about it this way. Jesus is equal to Melchizedek. Melchizedek is greater than Aaron. Therefore, Jesus is greater than Aaron. You guys are with me? You follow the the thought here? So again, so the idea here is this. A is greater than B, and B is equal to C, therefore A must be greater than C. You guys are with me? Mm -hmm. The same idea here, but I I just use it backward. Jesus is like Melchizedek, equal to Melchizedek. Melchizedek is greater than Aaron, therefore Jesus must be greater than Aaron. That's the idea here. So let's analyze his thought and follow his logic through these ten verses. In the first three verses, he's arguing that Jesus is similar to Melchizedek, or Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Now, who is that Melchizedek that the author of Hebrews brought up? The only time we read about Melchizedek in the scripture is back in the book of Genesis, chapter 14, verse 18 to verse 20. You guys remember that God called Abraham to leave his family, to go to the land of the promise, and Lot, his nephew, left with him. Now, there happened to be a lot of fights between Abraham and Lot, so they divided. Lot chose the land of Sodom and Gomorrah because it was like um, fertile land, and he thought that he can have a lot of welfare. And Abraham went the other way. In chapter 14 of the book of Genesis, we read about four kings by the leaders under the leadership of a king called Kadra Laomer. And this king, these four kings invaded Sodom and Gomorrah and three other small cities associated with them. And these four kings took Lot as a captive, his wife, his kids, and all his wealth. They took everything that Lot has, and he was captive to King Ketelomer. When Abraham heard about it, he took 300 of his servants, and he went and he fought these four kids, and he won, and he delivered Lot and all his possessions out of that captivity. That's what we read in Genesis 14, verse 1 to verse 18. Now, after Abraham came back from the winning and the victory that he has achieved by defeating these four kings, for the first time now, we read about a guy called Melchizedek that scripture says that he's a king of a city called Salem who came and met Abraham after he won over these four kings and delivered Lot. That's what we read in verse Genesis 14, 18 to 20. Here is what the scripture says. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high and he blessed him and said, Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, blessed be Abraham, the God of uh, blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand and he gave him tithe of all. That is, Abraham gave Melchizedek tithe of all. It is not clear in the Hebrew text who gave who tithe, but remember Abraham just won the battle and he had spoils. That's why he gave uh, Melchizedek tithe of all. And the author of Hebrews tells us point blank later on that it was Abraham who gave Melchizedek the tithe. Now, Melchizedek is a very unique person in the scripture. We never hear really about him throughout the scripture except till the author of Hebrews comes now here and pick up on Melchizedek. We read about Melchizedek in the book of Psalms, Psalm 110 verse four, when God said, you know, the Lord has sworn and shall not relent, you are a high priest forever on the order of Melchizedek. That's the the other mention in the Old Testament. Then we don't really read about him in the New Testament till the author of Hebrews pick up on him again. And Melchizedek was super unique. He was a priest of the Most High God, but he was also a king. So he has dual uh, function. He's a priest, but he's also a king. Melchizedek was the first time we read about somebody being a priest of God in the whole Bible. He's the first priest mentioned in the whole Bible. Amen? Amen? In the book of Genesis, we see that Melchizedek brought... Bread and wine to meet Abraham. And and that's kind of like he was ministering to Abraham's need. The author of Hebrews seemed like he intentionally blacked out this part. He didn't mention it. He didn't bring it up. Because he's just using the parts of the scripture. And again, that's under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Only to emphasize how Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. It seems that he deliberately put that part aside. Because he just want to argue his point from the scripture. Amen? So we don't read about that part when I see the quote from Genesis 14 in Hebrews chapter 7. Now, we see the author of Hebrews uh, changed some of the words when he quoted that story from the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we see that uh, Abraham gave gave, uh, the tithe to Melchizedek. But the word that the author of Hebrews used is that he tithed to Melchizedek. So he changed the word gave from Genesis to tithe in the New Testament. And the idea here, I think he did it on purpose to show how Abraham perceived Melchizedek. He didn't just give him a gift. He purposely tithed to him because he knew who Melchizedek is and the position that he has and how much authority and power that guy has as a priest of the Most High God. Amen. We read about Melchizedek that he was king of Salem, which for the longest time um, people argue that this is Jerusalem. However, this is debatable. It can't be Jerusalem, it, it cannot be Jerusalem. We see that the author of Hebrews doesn't really care if Salem is Jerusalem or not. He's he's just highlighting the fact that he was king and the name of his city was Salem, which meant something to the author of Hebrews, but then he just moved on. He didn't dwell on which city that is. Now, in verse 2, chapter 7, verse 2, we read this. Actually, let's read verse 1 and 2. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave tithe of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem means king of peace. That last part of verse 2, when the author of Hebrews say, first being translated king of righteousness, then also king of Salem means king of peace, that's the author of Hebrews' comment, commentary on Genesis fourteen eighteen. when the book of Genesis tells us that Melchizedek, his name is Melchizedek, and he was king of Salem. Now, the author of Hebrews is digging deeper into the meaning of these two words. What does the word Melchizedek mean? And what does the word king of Salem mean? The word Melchizedek, he said, it's translated king of righteousness. And that's literally what the Hebrew says, Melchizedek. That means king, my king. And then Sadiq means righteous. Literally, Melchizedek means my king is righteousness. And that's what the author of Hebrews is picking up here in verse 2. And remember, he was a king of a city called Salem, which is comes similar to the word Shalom in Hebrew, peace. That means he is king of peace. It seems that the author of Hebrews saw in the definition and that name of Melchizedek, Pictures of the upcoming Messiah, when Jesus will come as a priest uh, on the order of Melchizedek, he will be the king of righteousness and he will be the king of peace. That's why the author of Hebrews highlighted the meanings of these two words, but he really didn't dwell much on it. He moved right after that to the priesthood of Melchizedek. Amen? So we read in verse 2 that Melchizedek was without father, without mother, and without genealogy. Now, (coughs) the idea here when the author of Hebrews said this about uh, Melchizedek is not that Melchizedek was a superhero or he was a superhuman or he really literally didn't have a father or really literally didn't have a mother or didn't have a genealogy. Obviously, Melchizedek is a historical person. He definitely has a father. He definitely has a mother. He definitely has a genealogy. But the author of Hebrews. Uh, but but when the Holy Spirit wrote the book of Genesis the Holy Spirit on purpose did not mention his father did not mention his mother did not mention his genealogy we just see the guy coming out of nowhere and then disappearing into nowhere you guys are with me? and there is a reason why the Holy Spirit on purpose didn't mention this information about Melchizedek because the Holy Spirit wanted even from the book of Genesis portray Melchizedek priesthood as a type of the priesthood of Christ who will come later. Amen? Mm -hmm. So when the author of Hebrews said that the the Melchizedek was without father, without mother, without genealogy, this is not to be understood in a literal sense, because obviously he had all of those, but this to be understood that the Holy Spirit on purpose didn't mention none of that so he can be a type of Christ who will come later. Okay? Mm -hmm. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life. Again, that is not to, understood, to understand the historical person of Melchizedek as somebody who self-existed from the beginning and will live till the very end. He probably died a long time ago and is buried and all this stuff, okay? But the Holy Spirit on purpose doesn't mention how he started. And the Holy Spirit on purpose in the book of Genesis doesn't mention how he ended so that Melchizedek can be a type of the priesthood of Christ. You guys are with me? That is what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. And the author of Hebrews, right after that, at the very end of verse 2, explained that to us. He said this, uh, actually the end of verse 3, I'm sorry. Verse 3, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginnings of days, nor the end of life. Why? He was made, but was made by God to be like the son of God. He remains a priest continually, or he remains a priest forever. So by the Holy Spirit on purpose not mentioning the beginning of his ministry Melchizedek and the end of the ministry of Melchizedek the author of him, the Holy Spirit portrayed him as somebody who lives forever who comes out of nowhere and there's no end to him Because this way, by choosing to use these specific words, the Holy Spirit wanted to portray him to be a high priest forever on the order of Melchizedek. We don't see an end to his priesthood just like Christ, whom we don't see an end to his priesthood. Amen? And it says here, he was made, being made like the Son of God. Being made by God to be a priest like the priesthood of Christ. That is what the author of Hebrews is telling us here. Amen? And then it says, he being made, by, made high priest like the Son of God, and then it says he remains a priest continually. Now, do you remember what Psalm 110 4 says? The author of Hebrews quoted that part so far at least twice or three times so far. And this is what Psalm 110 4 says, The Lord has sworn and shall not relent, you are a high priest, forever on the order of Melchizedek, right? Now, when the author of Hebrews said that part, that he remains, that Melchizedek remains a priest forever or continually, the author of Hebrews now is merging two different accounts from the Old Testament together. He's mentioning the references from Genesis chapter 14 that Melchizedek started out of nowhere and we don't see an end to him. And he's also merging that prophecy from Psalm 110 verse 4 when it says you are a high priest forever on the order of Melchizedek. He's merging these two accounts together to come up with his own interpretation obviously under the leadership of the Holy Spirit that Melchizedek remains as a high priest forever as a type of Christ who remains as a high priest forever. You guys are with me? So we're clear as far as verses 1 to 3 now how You know, how Christ is a high priest on the order of Melchizedek. And how the scripture, when the Holy Spirit spoke about Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14, the Holy Spirit chose very specific words to portray Melchizedek as a high priest, uh, a type of Christ who will come to be our high priest. Amen? Now, verse 3, it says this. That Melchizedek without father, without mother, and without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor the end of days, so he can be made like the Son of God, remains a high priest continually. That verse is pretty much the foundation of the rest of chapter 7. We're going to see that the author of Hebrews going always back to verse 3. This is the anchor in which he drove his theology and his uh, definitions and his preaching throughout chapter 7. The first part, when he said that uh, Melchizedek was, out, was without father, without mother, was without genealogy, he came back to that a couple of times. In verse 5 and 6, uh, which we read earlier, it says this, And in the, indeed, those who are, who are sons of Levi, who have genealogy, who have fathers and mothers, we know that their fathers is Levi, those who are sons of Levi, who receive priesthood, have a commandment, to receive tithe from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy, again, going back to verse 3, is not driven from them, received tithe from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. The author of Hebrews highlighted that again, later on in verse 13 and 14. For he of whom These things are spoken, belongs to another tribe. He's talking about Melchizedek. He comes from a a different place. From which no man has um, officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, um, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. The idea here is this. All the high priests of the Old Testament came from the tribe of Levi that we know their fathers and their mothers. Jesus on the other side kind of popped out of nowhere to be a high priest from the tribe of Judah. Just like Melchizedek who popped out of nowhere without his father, without his mother, without his genealogy to be presented as a high priest of God in the Old Testament. The second part of verse 3, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but he's been made like the Son of God, remains forever. We, The author of Hebrews highlighted that also throughout chapter 7. In verse 8 we read, these mortal men, that's the children of Levi, received tithe, but there, in the incidence of Melchizedek, he received them of whom it is witnessed that he lived. Verse 15 and 16. And it is yet... Far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arise another priest who has come not according to the law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of his endless life. Verse 24. But he, because he continues forever, he has an unchanging priesthood. That's Christ. But again, that's a type of how Melchizedek looked like. And he's going back to verse 3 and anchoring as his anchor. Verse 28, For the law appoints high, as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which come after the law appoints uh, appoint that son who has been perfected for how long? Forever as a high priest. So over and over and over again throughout chapter 7, we see that verse 3 is an anchor. It's like always, that's where the theology of chapter 7 kind of came from. Now, after verse 1 and 3, The author of Hebrews established that Jesus is a high priest on the order of Melchizedek. That Melchizedek came as a type of Christ. In verses 4 to verse 10, now the author of Hebrews is arguing how Melchizedek is greater than Aaron. You guys are with me? And by arguing that uh, Melchizedek is greater than Aaron, then by default Jesus also as a high priest must be greater than Aaron. In these six verses, the, the the author of Hebrews gives us five reasons. Five reasons why Melchizedek is a greater high priest. First reason is because Melchizedek received tithe from Abraham, while Levi or Aaron received tithe from their brethren. Amen. Verse. The second reason is because Levi functioned not accord. Levi functioned according to the law, but Melchizedek didn't need a law like Levi and like Aaron. The third reason is because Melchizedek blessed Abraham and usually the greater blessed the one who is lesser. The reason number four, because the, in the Old Testament, Aaron and his descendants were mortal and they all died, but Melchizedek is eternal. And reasons chapter number five is because even Levi tithed to Melchizedek. You guys are with me? So these are the five reasons that the why the author of Hebrews is arguing that Melchizedek is greater than Aaron. The first reason is because Melchizedek received tithe from Abraham, while Levi received tithe from their brethren. He's highlighting that difference in verse four and five. He says this. Now consider how great this man was, to whom Even the patriarch Abraham gave a tithe of the spoils, and indeed those who are sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithe from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. You guys follow his logic? Okay, he's saying that Aaron and his descendants, the children of Levi, they were commanded to receive tithe from their brethren, right? Melchizedek, on the other hand, received tithe from the patriarch, Abraham, the father of all these tribes. Abraham is greater than any average person in the nation of Israel. You guys are with me? Because Abraham is the founder of the nation of Israel. You guys are with me? So Abraham is greater than the average person. Now, Abraham the greatest ties to Melchizedek, while the average person will tie to Aaron or Tel You guys are with me? And because the greatest person, Abraham, ties to Melchizedek, that makes Melchizedek greater than the high priest of the Old Testament. That's his logic here. That's his argument. Questions? Good? understood? Alright, so let's look a little bit deeper into these two verses. First of all, he's choosing the word patriarch on purpose. He's defining Abraham here as that patriarch, the founder, the father from which the whole nation came. And by exalting the status of Abraham, he's actually exalting the status of Melchizedek. You guys are with me? Because the, the higher he lifted Abraham up, the higher he lifted the one to whom Abraham paid tithe. You guys are with me? Number two, the term that he used, it says that he gave, Abraham gave Melchizedek tithe of the spoils. And the Greek word that the author of Hebrews used is literally means the best of what he has. Not just all his spoils, but the best of the best. So in a way, he's saying that Abraham gave Melchizedek tithe of the best things that he could ever have. When Abraham saw stuff that is not fit enough for the greatness of Melchizedek, he will not tithe that. He will not give him part of that. Because this is too inferior to who Melchizedek is. Amen? So again, the author of Hebrews is using words one after the other to show us How much, how highly Abraham looked up to Melchizedek. And then it says that on the other hand, Levi or Aaron and his descendant will receive tithe from their brethren. Again, the implication here to be drawn from the comparison is that since the Levitical priest, as well as those from whom they extracted the tithes, which were descendant of, of, of Abraham, Melchizedek must be superior to the Levitical priesthood, the Levitical priest, because he extracted the tithe from Abraham, the father, the founder of all these brethren that the author of Hebrews is referring to. Amen? So that's why Melchizedek is greater than Aaron because Abraham, the greatest among all the people of Israel, tied to Melchizedek. Therefore, Melchizedek is greater than Aaron. But number two, because Levi functioned according to the law, but Melchizedek didn't need the commission of the law to be a high priest of the most high God. You guys are with me? Mm We'll read that in verse 5 and 6. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithe from the people. How? According to the law. They have a structure. They have commandments and they have rules by which they might work from their brethren. Though they have come from the loins of Abraham, but he, whose genealogy is not driven, driv- uh, driven from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Notice when he talked about Levi, he said they do it according to the law. When he talked about Melchizedek, there is no mention of the law here because Melchizedek was not appointed by the law and he was not functioning according to rules and regulations written in the law. And that's why he is greater. It's a twofold argument here. Number one, the sons of Levi were appointed by the law. Melchizedek was not appointed by the law. Number two, the sons of Levi collected tithe according to the law, but Melchizedek did not have set of regulation by which he must function. There is no rules that control how he function. You guys are with me? Yeah. The first one is that the sons of Levi were appointed by the law. Actually, if you go back to the Old Testament, there is a requirement to who can be a high priest, and that is written in the law. They have to be descendants of Aaron, they have to be Aaron's children, Somebody from a different tribe, somebody from a different family cannot assume the priesthood in the Old Testament. And not only that, they have to be pure Israelites, they have to have physical conditions, they have to be like physically fit, there is nothing wrong with their bodies so they can be high priest. There is rules by which somebody can become a high priest in the Old Testament. Melchizedek exercised his priestlyhood role on the basis of divine appointment that is not by regulations set in the law. You guys are with me? He was appointed by God as a high priest, not by rules and regulation, but by the appointment of God himself. Amen? Not to mention that... Also, the sons of Rivai collected the tithe according to requirements of the law, but Melchizedek did not have requirements that control how he functioned and how he collected that tithe. By contrast, Melchizedek is identified as the one not tracing his descent from them. That's in verse 6a, who did not require the law to authorize his reception of tithe. You guys are with me? And that's why he's greater high priest than that of Aaron. But number three, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. We read that in the book of Genesis. When Abraham encountered Melchizedek, Melchizedek blessed God, the God of Abraham, and blessed Abraham himself as well. We read that argument in verses 6 and verse 7. But he whose genealogy is not driven from them received tithe from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by that greater. So the idea here is this, because Melchizedek blessed Abraham we know the author of Hebrews say there is no question about it that always the greater bless the one who's lesser, and because Melchizedek blessed Abraham, therefore Melchizedek is far much greater than Abraham. You guys are with me? And that is why Melchizedek was greater than Aaron, because Aaron is a son of Abraham. Levi was a child, a descendant of Abraham. So if Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, he's by default greater than Aaron and Levi. Therefore, Jesus, as a high priest on the order of Melchizedek, is greater than the high priest on the order of Aaron. You guys are with me? You follow what he's trying to tell us? Remember what he said in the beginning? This is like the solid food, right? He said that in, in, in chapter 5. He said, I'm just going to go ahead with the solid food. I'm not going to spend time talking about milk anymore. So chapter 7, 8, and 9, and 10, this is solid food when it comes to the scripture. Amen? You, you have to use your mind. Make sure you drink coffee before you come to church. Amen? It's really good. So notice also one thing. Here he says that, uh, he whose genealogy is is not driven from them received tithe from Abraham and blessed him who has the promises. Very interesting. Earlier when the author of Hebrews talked about Levi and Aaron, they said they receive tithe and bless the people according to the law, right? But when it came to how Melchizedek blessed Abraham he said that he choose a very specific word here and say that Melchizedek blessed the one who has the promises. You guys are with me, and there is a reason for that. There is a reason why the author of Hebrews linked the law to Levi and the author and, and, and Aaron and linked the promises to Melchizedek. There is a reason for that. You guys are with me because in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, we're going to see later how the law always failed. The law never was able to bring man to God, but really what brings man to God is the promises of God that throughout the book, the author of Hebrews was encouraging his lead uh, readers to stick to the promises of God and how great they are. You guys are with me? So by linking the law that is always failing to Levi and the priesthood of Aaron and linking the promises of God to the priesthood of Melchizedek, the author of Hebrews is implying how great the priesthood of Melchizedek is in comparison to that of Aaron. You guys are with me? Repeat that again or that's good. Move on. Good? All right. So that is the third reason why the priesthood of Melchizedek is greater than that of Aaron. Because Melchizedek blessed Abraham, therefore, Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, which makes him by default greater than Aaron and greater than Levi. But number four, because the Old Testament priests, they were all mortal. But when it comes to Melchizedek, the scripture portrayed him as eternal, because it didn't mention anything about his beginning. And his end amen and we read that in verse 8, eight it says this here in the New Old Testament regulation mortal men the children of Aaron the high priests of the Old Testament receive tithe but there in Genesis 14 he received them Melchizedek received the tithe of whom it is witnessed that he lives where is it witnessed that he lived that Melchizedek lives forever. It's in the wording of Genesis 14. How the uh, how the Holy Spirit, on purpose, did not mention his beginning or his end. He just came out of nowhere and ended in nowhere. To show us, in a way, the Holy Spirit was showing us that this guy is eternal in a way, in an essence, that he lives forever as a type of the priesthood of Christ who will come afterward. And because Jesus lives forever, we're gonna read later on in chapter 7. He is able to save to the utmost those who come to god through him you guys are with me jesus priesthood is a whole lot greater because jesus lives forever even if the priesthood of christ was on the same level like that of the children of aaron every high priest in the old testament will do it for 70 80 years and then they will drop dead amen Jesus is different because he lives forever. His priesthood continues forever. And that's why he is far much greater than that of Aaron. And number five, because Levi even tithed to Melchizedek. Again, the argument here throughout these 10 verses is this. When you give tithe, the lesser gives tithes to the greater, and when you bless, the greater bless the lesser. You guys are with me? That is the argument here. The smaller, the lesser, tithe to the greater, and the greater bless the lesser. And now in verses 9 and 10, the author of Hebrews arguing that not just Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek, but even Aaron and Levi and all their descendants, in an essence, so to speak, gave also tithe to Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. How? Here it says in verse 9 and 10, Even Levi, who receives tithe, you guys, do you see that? Levi, the priest of the Old Testament, who gets the tithe from the brethren, he himself... Paid tithe through Abraham. What the author, how, so to speak, verse 10, for he was still in the loins of his father Abraham when Melchizedek met him. The author of Hebrews is not telling us that Aaron or Levi literally paid tithe to Melchizedek because Levi and Aaron of that time, they didn't even exist in Genesis chapter 14. They were still in the body of Abraham, in his loin. And because Abraham... Tithed. Everything in Abraham tithed to the Melchizedek. Therefore, Levi and Aaron, who were included in his loins of that time, the author of Hebrews is saying, in an essence, so to speak, they also tithed to Melchizedek. You guys are with me? Therefore, Melchizedek is greater than Aaron and Levi because Melchizedek, in an essence, so to speak, received Tithe from Aaron and from Levi when they were in the loins of Abraham when he tithed to Melchizedek in, in Genesis chapter 14. Mm-hmm. So five reasons why Jesus or the priesthood of Melchizedek is greater than Aaron. And the idea again here is this, because Jesus is on the order of Melchizedek as our high priest, And Melchizedek is greater than Aaron. Therefore, we must conclude that the the priesthood of Christ is also superior than that of Aaron. Amen? Amen. Good good stuff? All right. Yeah, let's continue. These chapters, the next few chapters are going to be awesome. Let's close our eyes and pray.